Okay, everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is another episode of The Full Set. I am your hostex with the most six. My name is Didi Delgado, and I am here with my esteemed colleague, none other than Sadata Jackson. Sadata, welcome to The Full Set. How are you doing? Can. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know that we spoke off camera, um, but I wanted to um, welcome you again, because for me, um, I've been curating this space since April 9th, and it's very important to me to have people whose voices need to be uplifted. And um, a very dear friend of mine was like, I know exactly who you need to have on the show. <laughs> so I was like, who? And she said, Sadata. So shout out to Luana. Thank you so very much for the referral and recommendation. Um, I don't know if y'all know what I know, but I'm letting you know right now that we are in the presence of immeasurable greatness. I'm going to introduce to you Sadata the way that I have been introduced to Sadata and we're going to get into it. Um, here we go. Posting your payment links right now is the pinned comment. People already are fans. <laughs> like, that's so cute. I love it. Um, here we go. So Sadata is a student of practice who lives in her body and vacations in her mind. She has a master's degree in theological studies from Harvard in indigenous traditions a master's in education from UMass in secondary English language arts. And she is trained, she's a trained 200 hour Hatha, mm -hmm. okay, yoga and yoga therapeutics teacher. She works as a coach, consultant and facilitator with individuals and groups who do the work of healing and educating. The goal of her work is to end the relational and structural violences impacting all marginalized bodies, particularly black and indigenous bodies. So y'all want to know the credentials, not that it's important because this woman just told you she lives in her mind and vacations in her body. She's got a BA in theater from UMass Boston, a master's of education in secondary English and language arts, MTS in indigenous traditions, and a 200 hour RYT with Bo Forbes and half a yoga and yoga therapeutics. She is a trained Afro-Cuban, Haitian folkloric and modern dancer a fire keeper in the Mayan tradition. Her tribal affiliation is Nipmuc and Sadata's pronouns are she and they. Sadata, welcome, welcome, welcome to the full set. Thank you, thank you. Oh, wait, hold on one second. Can you turn up your volume, please? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, because I think you moved further away. That's what happened. We need to see this beautiful shirt. That's what happened. The shirt and the volume. I'll project. Yes. Okay. Thank you. So, Wanigan. Wanino Kishkuatwank and Konigi. Good day. Thank you. Good day. So when I first saw you appear on my screen, I was like, wow, you came through dripping. You, like, I feel like you did this on purpose. You just woke up and you was like, <laughs> like and I just thank you for sharing your beauty with us today. Thank you. Thank you. So your shirt, protect your energy. Um, are you doing that? Are other people doing that? Are people moisturizing and minding their business? What's happening? <laughs> it's 2020. Yeah, you know, first I got a shout out. The giver of the shirt, Lama you know, um, you know, who's always teaching me through our, our relationship. You know, I don't know that people are doing it, but I feel like it's a central practice of mine. And you know, part of protecting my energy, and I always like to start in this way when I speak, and that is to, you know, first acknowledge the place that I'm at. Okay. Um, so I wanna. First, acknowledge, um, you know, I'm here in Nonantum, which is right outside of uh, Boston. Uh, you know, it's the land of the Massachusetts, you know, in mm. addition to the land of the peoples who are their kin, which are my tribal kin, the Nipmuc and the Wampanoag. And I also, as part of protecting the energy in this acknowledgement, which is relational to, you know, very intimate, but also in terms of my work in the world. 
I also have to acknowledge the love, both for liberation, but also the labor mm. by African, my Black African enslaved ancestors, whose love for liberty and liberation made possible the institutions and the infrastructures that we all benefit from. And we owe them a big debt to live from that liberation and to center that in all the work that we do. And then I want to thank you. Oh, you want to thank me? Absolutely. Right after thanking the ancestors? Okay, all right. <laughs> Absolutely, because it's what you do, you know? I think how we begin is, is who we are. Mm. Like, now okay. I feel wholesome. Okay, thank you. Absolutely. I want to thank you, Didi, for always, like, doing the labor of being in the front of what matters as our black femme body lives. That this is no small job or task. You know, that there's a big debt that we owe to you too. Both in support of that and love of that, you know, so that you can both rest and restore and continue to be. Thank you for saying that. I think about, um, you know, I just found out about land acknowledgements because I was asked to do one or I was asked, do I know how to do a land acknowledgement? I said, oh, what? But um, because I always feel like not knowing something is actually um, a propellant for me to figure out what I don't know. I went to go look it up because I think, you know, love her to death but I think she was like y'all niggas ain't doing land acknowledgements I mean you know like basically I was like okay um so I went to go look it up and I felt like very whole by the acknowledgement of a land acknowledgement and I was wondering is there ever um you know we talked about this a little bit offline is there ever a solidarity moment um with being like you just said you're indigenous and that word is like non-clemature because literally being black African is also indigenous to where we come from, wherever we were stolen from. Um, and the first time I guess I even thought about this outside of the land acknowledgement was I was on a call with Brazil activists this Saturday and just listening to them speak and, and they have the same black and indigenous uh, issues, right? So black folks were captured and brought over <laughs> and then there are people that are indigenous or native to the land of Brazil. And so those two people got together, those two groups got together and actually had a slave uprising. And I'm like, when is it ever gonna happen in Canada and the United States? Gang gang, I don't know. So what are your thoughts about, if you have any, about land acknowledgements? Because like I said, I didn't know that we were supposed to honor, like I kind of heard it before, but not really certain why because i've never seen in my in my experience going to standing rock all of that i've never seen indigenous folks native to this country i've never seen them like acknowledge blackness and how it intersects you know so what what can we do or what steps can we move to mend um that relationship well i mean so i'm nipmuc and, and being nipmuc means that we're deeply related and identified in, in terms of our African ancestry as well. Like those things are not separate. I mean, I think to separate them in some ways is a very colonizing worldview. Mm. The fact is, is that um, Africans and natives were sold in the same types of slave, like slave trade, especially from these lands in the Northeast, you know, whether it be to the Caribbean, um, or back to, to Europe. And so these histories are, you know, I, again, I'm just speaking from these lands, have just been historically intertwined. And to separate them, I think, is a misfortune of colonization. And, um, you know, I also acknowledge that, you know, there are many indigenous people who might not have the same African ancestry that that don't acknowledge in that way. But I can't leave any parts of myself out of who and where I am. I mean, I think if I'm going to be embodied, I have to bring all of myself here. You know, I'm mm. interested in that. I'm interested in all of us doing that. Because I think the only way that we can end the kind of violence that 
bifurcates us in terms of our identities, racially, gender, sexuality, and so on, is that we have enough capacity to hold and to, um, to bear witness, but also to honor all of who and what we are. You know, I, I intentionally choose to do the land acknowledgement and the ancestral acknowledgement in that way because these are my ancestors. You know? Right, of course. When I was land, I'm not just acknowledging a place. I'm acknowledging a relationship, but also a responsibility. Mm. And that responsibility, because of my own ancestral lineage, cannot be singular. And it can't be supremacist. It can't be hierarchical one over the other. And given reality that this land, this, this colony was founded on indigenous land and black labor. In some ways, it, it's my effort to, to really heal and repair you know, that, that real original wound. When you say original wound, I get like chills because I'm like, is Luana over here talking to us as well? Luana always talking about somebody's wound. Yeah. I guess it's important because we would have to know that we are wounded in the first place in order to heal. A lot of us are on healing journeys, myself included. And I'm like, wound? What wound? I'm fine. Like, you know? And so is there, um, I know that you did an event at Leslie last year in April, and it was like the first of its kind at Leslie, because Leslie, yeah. shout out to Leslie University, who allowed us to do the first BLM's uh, Cambridge Symposium, but um, Leslie has a long way to go. So I was actually really excited to hear that y'all had a trauma-informed and care <laughs> event. And so do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like, why is that even necessary? And what does that topic mean to like a basic person like me from Roxbury? Well, you know, I'm a basic bitch from Mattapan High Park. I want a basic bitch. I was like, I respect her shine too much. This melanin is just too much for me. I love it. So, Thank you for being from Mattapan. Just saying, <laughs> Belleville Village all the way. So um, yeah, so, you know, um, I, uh, I had been working for the last year for the sponsors of that, which is the Center for Trauma and Embodiment, and, um, doing consulting work with them around centering, you know, racialized justice. Right. And, um, and so my, you know, at the center of my work is like, how do we embody justice, you know, identity justice in particular, uh, in our relationships and our, the structures that we either choose or create when we encounter each other in the spaces we call work. And for some of us, our work is, is amorphic and that we don't, our work is not separate from our lives. You know? Right yourself like this is your life work you know and some of us it's a place we go baby <laughs> so um so i was asked to you know just kind of talk about this you know what does it mean to really do the work and, and for me work is about labor you know mm. and when i mean labor i mean the the internal labor not just the emotional labor sometimes it's spiritual labor sometimes mm. it's ancestral labor you know, to do that work of justice, you know, I think for me, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't call myself an activist, but I put activism in my work. Mm, okay. But the point of the, the goal of the work is to be actively engaged in the, the liberation of those of us who are marginalized and oppressed, whether you have that identity or not, we all have that responsibility. And so, um, so I was just asked to, you know, kind of give a workshop and just talk about, you know, what, you know, give people that experience of how they would begin that journey. And it is, it is labor, you know, it's like Rihanna says, it's work, 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 everybody work, 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 you know, it's a little twerking in the back. Team. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and it's, and it's a commitment. You know, it's a commitment that we have to decide to do again and again. And again. So, you know, for me, you know, a lot of my work is, is to try to create the causes and conditions for people to want to want to do the work. Right. Okay. You know, oh, people have to want to want to do the work? Absolutely. You know, like Marvin Gaye said, I want you, but I want you to want me too. I don't mm. just want you to want me, you know, because that's a wow. little, you know what I mean? <laughs> 
you got to romance the work, I guess, you know? <laughs> you have to want to want to do the work. Okay, and, and okay. What that means is that there has to be an authentic internal motivation on your part. There has to be something in it for you to want to do this work. And it doesn't matter to me what your identity location is. You have to feel like this liberation for, for those who are not liberated, including those I might be oppressed, right. is important to me too. It is central to me. Not because I'm doing something for them. I'm doing something for me. You know, Toni Morrison, in her conversation- You better talk about it. She's saying, I have to bring, I have to bring, I'm going to bring Elder, you know, Luana, I have to bring Elder Tony into the conversation. Luana, I want that candle because I know you watching. Thank you. I'll pick it up before I leave. Thank you. <laughs> and so I, um, you know, I re-listened to her conversation with, um, uh, it was on progress. And it was between her and uh, Sister Angela Davis. And what they were talking, what Elder, you know, um, St. Morrison was talking about was the notion that, you know, nobody spends a lot of time studying the impact of violence on the mm. who commits it. You know, so much time and effort and energy and movement. And not that this, I don't think that she was giving a critique that there should, there should be less of that. But nobody is really interested in, in what happens to the person who's oppressing. What happens to their psyche? What happens to who? Why should we be interested in what happens well, to their I, psyche? I, I, I feel like you have the answer. Well, I, I mean, I think you should be interested in that because not because we need to fix that because we understand that they too are suffering and we don't need to get caught up in that. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's, a, there's a kind of a, a boundary, you know, that we understand that this has nothing to do with me, but this actually has to do with some pain that they're entangled with. You know, similar to the friend who's, you know, going through something, who's, you know, let me, get, let me get some water. You know, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I want the, you know, the motherfucker who doesn't like me to really suffer less because they will create less suffering for me. Not because I'm necessarily some good realized person, but because I understand for me, when I suffer, I create more suffering. This is super holistic. I feel like I just heard you say that the person who's trying to cause me suffering, I don't want them to suffer because they're going to create more suffering. Absolutely. It's revolutionary what you're saying. And deep down inside, I know a bad bitch like myself has had this thought a time or two. But Sherazar just said what was on my heart. And so I have to ask her question. She said, spiritual work is communal for folks who want to be in community but can be energetic vampires. So how can you help them and honor your shirt? Get a boundary. Oh shit. Be a boundary bitch. <laughs> like you have to be willing. You have to be, I mean, don't, you know, I mean, you know, so the four pillars of my spirituality of Buddhism, yoga, um, ethos, Santeria, and Native American spirituality. Like these are the four pillars. So I'm, I, in terms of like suffering less, I'm talking from my Buddhism. I'm talking from that. Right. And, and to some extent, yoga as well, but really not Buddhism. You know, the reality is, is that, you know, um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll share a story, and I think it's Tara Brock who talks about this story, about when you see a dog who's like a rabbit dog, you know, a dog foaming at the mouth. And then as you go, come across that dog and you go around the corner, you realize that that dog is actually trapped in something. You know, you get a different perspective on that dog, but you are not going to go and touch that dog. Right. You see what I mean? And that's a boundary. In some ways, the boundary allows you to have some discernment. Ooh. Right? That I am, that, that it's actually not my work to do this for you, but I can bear witness I can hold this space and or I can get out of this space and not get caught up in your, in, in your bullshit, in your pain, in your suffering. 
I mean, there's a way in which sometimes I think that community for some of us means codependence. And I think we have to really do the work to make some distinction around that. And the only way we can do that, I think, is doing our deep work, is excavating our own pain. You know, I think sometimes we do community, activism, you, you know, fill in the blank relationship from a place of our own pain. It is not, it is not obviously the healthiest, but I, but I also don't think it's the best way to connect. So she says, for your information, it's me. I'm the energy vampire. My folks be putting up with me, but I feel myself showing up like that. And that is also why I feel like a lot of times as organizers, as Black Femmes, that a lot of times it is up to us to delegate, right? Like, and be like, this needs to get done. Like, and however, you know, but I feel like that comes, uh, I can't believe I'm talking about this with you. That comes with a lot of trauma around not being able to complete tasks or uh, being admonished by your parents or, or whatever. And so there's like an overcompensation and if there's already fractures with other people who are hurting, um, just because that's their stuff and that's in their lives. I feel like something Luana says all the time is appropriate here um, as organizers or as charismatic organizers, or even if you take the charisma out like Sherazar and just be a regular leader. Um, I love you, Sher. So <laughs> how do we not um, continue to meet one another at the wound? And that's a question Luana has given to me a year ago. I don't know if I fucking know the answer. I just had a therapy session and I was like, why do the same situations keep popping up year after year, even if I remove myself from the situation? How do I do better? Because I could sit in church. You know, I don't go to church, but I could sit in church and be like, y'all hear that word? The pastor is speaking to y'all, but really also me. Like, you know what I'm saying? And so I definitely identify with Sherazar. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's a time where, you know, something I said after, you know, after, after my time at Harvard, which exhausted me. You know, I, I don't, I don't think I knew imperialism in this kind of um, structured way uh, until I'd been there. And it does not mean that everything that I experienced there was was awful, but there was a kind of uh, pedagogical imperialism that was um, challenging for me. You know, having gone to two state schools, you know, before, I had not had this experience in a kind of Ivy League institution. But after I finished that, and, and I think this speaks to what you're saying, and I'll talk a little bit more about this, um, people were like, oh, so what do you have to say? And you know, because this whole expectation, you got some more to give. And all I had to say was, we need to talk less. We need to do less. And we need to be more. And what I meant by that is that I think that there's a way in which, you know, a lot of my work is, in, is, is informed by trauma, right? Because, I mean, you can't talk about violence and not talk about trauma. I mean, I don't know that every violence ends in trauma, but I do know every trauma is caused by some kind of violence. And so thinking about it in that way, we know that the response to trauma is based on what we know about the basic fight, flight, or freeze response. And those kind of primal responses to experience or perceptions of danger, I think are really important. But if that's where we're relating from, that's where we're connecting from, right? We're, we're kind of doing this work of connecting that's not, that's in some ways from a very topical, I'll say, place as opposed to from a rooted place, a place of trust. And so for me, I'm not talking less and doing less does not mean being quiet and it does not mean sitting still. It doesn't mean that. Thank what you for the clarification because I was like, oh shit, I gotta shut the fuck up forever. No, no, no. What it means is that when we speak, we need to speak from a place of our, our most grounded being. And when we do, we need mm -hmm. to be from our most grounded being, from our most resourced being. You know, that's not the place in which trauma exists. 
there's a there's a way in which you know I grew up with activists, and I grew up as somebody who was going to be you know next prime to be some type of activist, whether it was political or social or community. It didn't matter. Grew up with Jim McGuire, you know, and Ruth Batson, and those folks, you know, Sister Bertie Mitchell Brown. You know, mm -hmm. people who had been in things like the busing and, and things like desegregation in Boston, you know, and who were like, oh no, she's, you know, she's got it. She's clear and whatever. And what I witnessed is the way in which there's a real extracting that happens when we don't have a collective way of mobilizing that's based in trusting each other loving each other and a stillness in knowing that we have what we need to make the movement and the change. And what it does, particularly to Black femme bodies, is that it robs them of their capacity, ability to love and be loved, to, to hold and be held, you know, to trust and be trusted on just a, on a very basic level. You know, so my decision to, to not be public with my activism was like, oh no, there has to be an injection within the relationship as well as within the structures that hold this kind of liberatory work. You know, because without it, it's, it, it creates a kind of violence on the black female bodies. And the blacker, the more femme they are, the more violence. At least what I witnessed. This is something that's like, if my um, heart chamber wasn't circular, I could feel it like literally pitting on the walls of like my my missing phantom chamber that's not there. Um, it's it's like, and I know that this is from my mom. Um, I would like to extend to you an invitation um, for pay. You know, I will like to email you. There's something. I'm missing. I'm a huge organizer. That's what I do behind the scenes. So I want to say thank you for thanking me because I think a lot of people don't see me out and, and they think I'm not organizing and that would be for oh, far on the streets. <laughs> Maybe not these streets, but the streets, honey. <laughs> oh, no, I see you. <laughs> so we have um, a lot of frontline organizers have been saying we feel overwhelmed and we feel and a lot of frontline organizers are black femme bodies you know let's just be honest and so I already knew what they needed because I was there in 2017 and I was like y'all I need this you know so it just kind of like fell into place everyone kind of said yes Dee Dee will do it just give us the direction and um besides the fact that something very personal and traumatic just happened to me like last Wednesday I've been feeling this um capsizing I don't know how to explain it other than that and I'm like there needs to be a conversation because when this moment in the movement is over we are going to have to lean on one another more than what we were doing before because now the work is actually here um, it, not that it wasn't here before but the visibility to make sure the work is done correctly. And I don't think we should be at each other's necks the way that we are. So I'd like to extend to you because everyone else is getting paid. But I was like, there's an element here that I'm not, I, I, so I don't even wanna organize the shit anymore because there's an element here. I can train you and have outside trainers come and tell you about nonviolent direct action, surveillance, all that shit. But there's a heart like level that we are, I can be sitting right in front of you and I'd be like, I don't fuck with that bitch. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be like that. And I know other organizers don't want to be like that, but we have to because of the violence that we bestow upon each other because of what's been stowed upon us. So I appreciate you even giving like space to this conversation because I never even considered the two things were connected. They are, I mean, I think that like, you know, for me, it's like, you know, when this is not work of the heart, you know, but both the broken heart and the heart that loves and needs love, it, it is just an act of violence. And I get it. You know, a lot of violence has been normalized on Black sad bodies. A lot of it. And it's unacceptable. And when it's normalized, it also means that it, the propensity for it to be internalized is high. And yet we have to want to unlearn. 
We have to want to do the work, not to be aspirational in what could be, but what, mm. what is like in this moment, you know? Um, and, and have that be the soul by which the things grow. You know, and that takes, a, that takes a, a lot of trust. It takes a lot of courage, but it's not outside courage. It's in ourselves and amongst mm -hmm. one You know, and it also takes an enormous amount of willingness to grieve, you know, to grieve who we thought, not just I am, but who we thought one another was, how it was going to be. You know what I mean? That's dope. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I would definitely hear that because I feel like a lot of conflict between organizers is like, and you were supposed to show up one way and we're both pointing at each other and you showed up this way, like, you know, um, and so thank you for that duality. I feel like this whole conversation has been about duality. I'm like, I don't want to see people like that. I see people how the fuck I see people. And also, right, I, I just had a conversation with a friend of mine where I was like, you know, there, there is a duality. Like when it comes to, you know, trigger warning, we were talking about, um, you know, uh, believing victims. And I was like, are there instances in which victims have exacerbated and exaggerated the truth just to be believed? Yes. Are there some instances where victims have outright lied? Absolutely. But is that the majority of the cases? I don't think so. And so, you know, we talked about the disparities of actually who gets shielded. And so if I can pressure someone else into thinking about the duality of believing women when they say that they've been harmed or assaulted, right? When, why can't I then apply that same continuity to believing other activists and being like, okay, this is my narrative and this is your narrative. And somehow, even though we traveled along the same trajectory, we got to do different places, but it's still the same narrative. So I think that that, that I will email you and just ask you, you know, if you'd be interested. And I would love to. And what? Look at me organizing on the organizer. Okay. All right. And the other piece of it too, I think is um, intimacy. Mm -hmm. By intimacy, I mean proximity. I think there's something about, I, I think it's colonization um, where this is seated, you know, that that distances ourselves from those of us who we are closest to as a way to kind of serve out whatever our function is, even if our function is seemingly anti-colonial. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. You know, I think there's something about the way in which when we are in terms of our, our worldview or in terms of our in, embedded values, of the work we are doing is still colonial, right? We cannot get close enough to one another and to ourselves. Right. I think what what is the truth about, you know, what is what is vulnerable and what is at stake? You know, and, and how fucking hard it really is. It's so, it's so bad. And so like, there's like a, there's a heart wound. I think that many of us don't know we have because we fill it with anger. Like we're like, there's a hole here and I don't like the hole. And so I'm going to fill it with anger and rage and like righteous indignation. And, you know, and this is why I'm actually glad Sherazar brought up the question because I was like, if I always ask the questions for me, are people really listening to how it can apply to them? So thank you, Sherazar, for being brave and for being, yeah, thank you. Um, the next thing I wanted to ask you about was, you know, I know that we've talked a little bit about violence and I know that we've talked about trauma-informed care, but how, if we're not trauma-informed, right, how can we, um, you know, Audre Lorde says, caring for myself is not an act of self-indulgence, it's a revolutionary political worker, like, you know, so how can we, like, engage in steps to, like, care for ourselves when the world tells us we're not worth caring about yeah well i think the first step you know i, I like to work backwards is that like i'm worthy of care mm. yeah, but like that that's the first step and i think the second step is then to ask well, what do i need i think a lot of times people might ask 
I'm worth, you know, or say I'm worthy of care, but then they'll go back out again to the world that doesn't really care about them. Or they'll go out and then clear about what it is that they need. So they'll end up getting something that really isn't um, in a line with what they need. So I think that after you affirm that you are worthy of care, and I think this is particularly important for, for black bodies, black femme bodies, um, I think you then have to say, well, then what, what do I need in order to be cared for? Right. Because then you know concretely how to go about either getting that or fulfilling that for yourself. Care, I think like anything is not something we can do by ourselves. And this is why I think intimacy is really important. Oh shit. And you're, I don't think you're talking about romantic intimacy. You're talking about talking intimacy. About intimacy. Oh, you're talking about the whole thing? I'm talking about intimacy for me generally is about proximity. It's about a close proximity to your heart. Okay. And sometimes that's through romantic intimacy, but sometimes that's through, you know, kinship intimacy, friendship, you know. And kinship is it ways, right? Mm -hmm. But when I talk about, I mean, Intimacy to me is how close am I going to let somebody to my heart so that they can give me what I need? Ooh. Can I write that down? Absolutely. Ooh, child, the ghetto, the ghetto, the ghetto. Intimacy to me is how close I'm going to let somebody into my heart to give me what I need or to offer me what I need. When I say proximity, I mean literally like it's distal. It's about a closeness. I literally, I feel like you knew what was on my spirit. Because <laughs> ah! I literally said, my question was, you know, for someone who's polyamorous, like, you know, I feel like, I want more intimacy with some partners than I do with others. Mm -hmm. And I feel selfish for that. I'm like, is this ethical? Uh, you know, um, but there's like this one specific person that I feel like I have this desire to like share myself with, you know, because I trust that person. Absolutely. And so, yeah. but I always feel goofy because like, we're not supposed to, um, let down the wall or the guard and be vulnerable that's what I've been taught like you know my mom was definitely like a survivor and was like you can't let nobody get close to you like you know I get it but you don't you don't let you know you got that wall up and you're not gonna get what you need oh shit yes ma'am <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean you just not and like I'm, I'm like, I you. pride myself on my walls. Okay? But I'm also saying that for me too, because a, a girl, a bitch could like erect a wall in a minute. You know what I mean? This is a clear boundary. Okay. Well, Berlin wall ain't got nothing on me and this heart. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. so yes, like, yes, yes. This, like, this is not something I don't do. But when I do it, I'm on my scent. I'm like, oh, oh, this is, oh, this is this reflexive response. Right. Mm. The way in which I've told, I've been told I need to one protect and preserve something, right? But if I'm going to get, if if I'm going to actually believe that I can abundantly get what I need to get, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm non-monogamous and I believe in relational abundance. Thank you right? so much for being and this so, way. And the thing is that if I believe that, right, that I have to be able to keep my heart open. The only way I can do that is to be honest with myself and the people who I want to be in proximal relationship. Now, is that shit easy? No. But that's not the goal. The goal is to do the work. Mm. The goal really is to, is to be free of all of this. Ooh, a word. So I just also want to thank you for living your life and in like this freedom that you found for yourself. Because I feel like so many of us don't have um, great role models. Um, not saying that you're a role model or anything like that, bitch. I don't know you, but I'm just saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is, it's just really. 
<laughs> yes. I don't come to mold, but I used to mold. Yes. Come on, body roll. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, I just think of like how, like, whenever I see polyamorous couples or even, you know, because everything's so men centered, polygamous couples, like, you know, I just feel like everything's so male centered, like, you know, and so seeing a woman say I'm non-monogamous and like, this is what my exploration looks like for myself. And this is how I get what I need for me without it, without it being assigned or like even parallel to selfishness. Like, you know, this is like, actually like we all need our, need our needs, need, we all need our needs met, you know? Um, so thank you because that is actually a brave space to operate out of. And I think that like, you know, I think for me, so, I mean, non-monogamy is actually, it's pretty recent for me. I think it's, it, it is suited for who I am. Um, because I think that there are many ways in which we can relate. Um, you know, Kim Talbert talks about, you know, the function of things like the monogamy as well as the nuclear family being an outstart of colonialism. And I do think that that is true, you know. Um, I'm not interested in either heteronormative ways of being in a relationship, nor am I interested in ways that are, are, are male-centered. I'm interested in ways that are about human beings getting all of what their needs are met in ways that are clear and consensual and ethical, right? Um, I, I can't say, I mean, success for me is just saying that this is the place I'm going to operate from, you know? And I'm not measuring that in terms of how many relationships and the length of time or whatever. I'm measuring in that in terms of this is where I stand and this is always where I'll be centered from. And so that's so I'm important. Here, like that, that's 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 the conversation I'm having. Right. Okay. You know, um, and and I yeah, and I, I think we have to even get out of these paradigms of success that are still entrenched in a lot of heteronormativity, that are still entrenched in a lot of colonization or nuclearness. Right. So something I was thinking about today, um, because I was with that person and I was just like, I feel like I've always been trying to, wow, I'm really getting deep and personal with y'all. I feel like I've always been trying to outdo the person that has meant the most to me in my life. Like not me so much, but like, as far as relationships, I was like, if I get into another relationship and I'm like 16 deep at this point, you know, if I get into another relationship, can this can any of these individuals like top whoever this one person was, you know, and, and it hasn't been the case. And I think it's because there's like some sort of click in my brain. That's like, there's this one person that's like all the things that you needed or whatever. And that person wasn't even all the things that they needed for themselves. So that couldn't have been true. Right. Is what I have to, the story I have to recondition myself with. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, I just appreciate this whole reframing because when I was with you know, someone I'm very vulnerable with today, I was like, will this even work? Like, does this even, what does this look like? Because this is not, none of this is normal. And, and I had to stop myself. Like literally I, I yelled at myself inside my head. I'm like, it doesn't matter. You got to stop comparing apples to oranges. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, yeah. And in some ways you have to trust yourself that you know what you need and that you recognize that you're getting what you need. And there's something about, and I, I, I think this is also a function of capitalism where things, everything becomes commodified and commodification is about an externalization. And that I only know what I need when it's externalized, not when I, 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 I can sense something in myself. Right. You know what I mean? And that person can sense something in themselves and we can communicate from this place and say it's good. Ooh. Thank you for talking about love because we like it's been a concurrent theme, but like everyone is in their space, you know, um, something I wanted to ask you is what like what are like, I don't know, I don't have to count I was gonna say five but you can just even give one. What's one tangible step. Um, that someone me I don't know who is struggling with like I'm a very beautiful person inside and out right I know this. 
And I had to quote Megan the Stallion today. And I was like, hey, 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 we, I'm too sexy to have sex under the covers. So can we like actually like, and it's because I have to deprogram myself that even though I'm not the weight that I used to be, or, you know, the body type that I used to be, that I have to say to myself, this is the skin and the body that we are in now and we deserve and this stage and this space and this mindset and this with these titties to 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 explore pleasure and like have it for ourselves and not for the other person and so like are there is there something that someone who's like i'm struggling with self-image or i'm struggling with self-worth can like begin to do so that way that they can affirm themselves you know I've been really working, like I told you, I, I cut all my hair off. Yes, it was such a beautiful photo. I'll be releasing it soon. I'm just, I'll be releasing it soon. I will. Well, because it's like, I, you know, I um, you know, I, I get so much feedback on um, on my looks and, you know, and honestly, it's not, it's not something that um, means to the world what it means to me. I mean, it's like, if I feel good, I, that's when I feel I look good. I understand that that resonates and so what I've been working on especially with this transition with my hair um and even with my body you know because it's you know I'm, I'm not I'm aging and you know my body is changing and I'm I'm caring less about food and eating and you know as long as clothes fit even if they're tight I don't care right um but one of the things that's been helping me is to be really gentle with myself. Whether it's my talk with myself, whether it's my affirmations, like whatever it is, like, I'm just like, baby, it's, it's all right. Like, that's just kind of whatever you're doing. I think to do it with a sense of gentleness. Care for yourself. I think there's a way in which, and you know, and I know this, you know, I see this with other people, but I see it with myself that like the way the tone that I take to myself is the tone I take into the world. You out here dropping bangers. It's a mixtape and an album. Okay. <laughs> the tone I take with myself is the tone I take with the world. Woo. So I've been really trying to be really gentle with myself, you know, I mean, you know, I've been, you know, going through a, a big transition for myself, not just with hair, but just in my life. And, you know, sometimes I wake up and I could just feel the anxiety, the dread. And I'm like, baby girl, that's all right. You can just lay here for a little bit. You can just get, you can get out this bed some more slow. Right. I mean, there's a way in which the care that I give for myself is also a way in which I'm modeling the care which I want and need for me. I, I want to know, I feel like like that's a full circle statement because that brings it back. You're like, of course it is. I'm fucking Sadata Jackson. Um, like that's the look you just gave and I accept that. Um, I feel like you brought it back to full circle when you were saying that like, I want someone who's hurting me to hurt less because I know that that's what they're coming from. So if someone's tone that they take with themselves is angry at themselves, that's how, and that's how they're showing up in the world. Or if I could go backwards, like you said, if someone is showing up angry in every space that they go, or like with a, like with a, with an unseemingly disparate rage or whatever, it's probably the tone that they're taking with themselves. If I have to look at bitches in duality, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is who you talk to in the mirror. And that is why it's coming out in these ways, you know? I didn't even have to say about myself, um, the way that I'm dismissive at times with people, like I'm like constantly like delegating and be like, you know, this needs to get done. I don't really don't know what to tell you. I am like my hardest critic. And I'll be in the mirror like Issa on Insecure. I'd be like, bitch, this needs to get done. I don't know what to tell you. Like, you know, and so like mitigating those two things is actually really helpful for me. And then when people come at you, you know, there's a way in which you- Oh, they're, they're never allowed. 
No, no, no. But I'm saying, oh. if, if and when people come at you with their stuff, like their okay. crypt or whatever, you just cut through that shit. And it's like, oh no, sweetie, this is not, like, I'm not you. Mm. You might treat you like that, but you're not going to treat me like that. Ooh, gang, gang, I shot you down. Um, <laughs> that is actually really important. Tanya Nixon said, oh, sorry, Tanya Nixon Silberg says, we talk, you know, Tanya, she said, we talk a lot about extending grace to the other person and honoring their traumas. But when can we do that for ourselves? And can it, that be done at the same time? Yeah, I, I think I think it could only, Tanya, I think it could only be done at the same time when we are resourced in our practice doing it for ourselves. I think when we do it to other people and we are not doing it for ourselves in the moment that we're experiencing trauma or pain, it is a violence against ourselves and we have to mm. go. We have to go. This is not, this is not the time. It's not the time. I mean, I, you know, I've been in situations, both personal situations, uh, but also public situations where it's like, it's not the time for me to be extending myself to you in your traumatic place because this shit is kicking up my stuff. And so then I got to retreat. I got to protect my energy. Ooh. What that looks like is, you know, there's a song. Um, I love songs. I love this song. I feel it already. Feel it? I feel it. So this is this is this is my guide to extending grace to when people are experiencing trauma or and or when we are doing our own. When we are in that place, we have to know four things. We have to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. Kenny mm. Rogers, honey. This is the discernment you have to do before you extend any grace to anybody. That's a mouthful. Thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna reflect upon that. Um, the last question I have for you is my own personal question, because I knew that you was a dancer or whatever, and you Afro-Cuban, you out here, ah 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 ah. Um, you know, when you talked earlier, you spoke of, and I feel like Luana is very sneaky and very smart at the same time. She be knowing what she's doing. When you said I practice Santeria and Ifa, I was like, or you know, you're very connected to those two things. I was like, there's a scene in Cinderella, the Disney movie. She was like, so sing sweet nightingale. I, that's what I just started fucking, oh, like that's what I started doing just now <laughs> when you said this shit, because I was like, this is my trajectory. Um, so I am initiated and I feel like constantly looking for community because I'm back and forth between two cities so much, you know, that like you were here this whole time but I wasn't supposed to know until I went through my own process. So thanks, Lou, again, <laughs> like, you know. Um, well, first so thing, I wanna say Alafia. Alafia, yes. And I am not initiated. I am a devotee of Ocho. Um, and I've spent probably about 10 years in the community, traveled to Cuba, dance, Afro-Cuban dance, taught it and so on and the culture is very very important what is the importance of spirituality in our healing especially when we're talking about non-colonized spirituality well i mean i think i think it's central both in our healing and in our social justice movements because it's, it's center you know it's the ground by which you know in some ways like the earth it's the soil it's the nutrients you know, but it's also the thing that, that grounds us, that centers us, that nourishes us, that grows us, you know, that helps us know when it's time to rest, mm. when it's time to toil, when it's time to grow. In many ways, it's, it's kind of our teacher, mm. what we need to do and when. I mean, any... Anybody that I know, you know, both personally and, and studied otherwise, has a deep spiritual practice, whatever it is, you know. And right. They're not particularly colonized about it because they understand that that spirituality is about an action that they need to do in the world to act in the bridge for all beings. 
It's not just themselves. They're not trying to escape. They're not using their spirituality as a bypass, as an escape, as an right. whatever, excuse or whatever. It's a relationship. You know, it helps you understand that this is not about you and you have to do it. Right. And for me, you know, I think the work of decolonizing or uncolonizing, however you want to put it, is really important, but I'm really interested in indigenizing. You know, there's not a piece of land that is not indigenous land in this world. I am deeply interested in mm. which we as human beings, whatever our skin complexion is, we will return to our indigenous ways. Thank you so much for that. Um, my last question is a question that I ask every single guest. Um, I feel it's a two-pronged question because I am a two-pronged complicated bitch. And complicated bitch. <laughs> yes. And y'all just gonna have to love me for where I'm at. I love it. Is there, the first part of the question is, is there anything that we did not cover or go over that you were like, or you, that you were surprised about that I didn't ask you or that you were like, hold up, I got to talk about this thing that's coming up. I got to let people know. And then the second part is, who would you like to see on the show if you watch my show? I'm always bad at these questions. I ask these questions. I think these are good questions. <laughs> thank you for, first of, fuck of all, thank you for saying it's a good question because I know it's a good question. I know it's a good question. Y'all watch the show and niggas still don't know that I ask this question. Um, and I, so let me think about, um, yeah, it's hard. I, I would have to, I would have to, um, think about who, so I'm going to, I'm going to put that in my corner of my mind. But let me think about what we haven't spoken about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Care, I think more directly care the importance of um, care, not as a, um, a supplication of guilt or obligation, uh, but care as the place in which we both give and um, act from. That we're acting from a place of care, first for ourselves uh, and then for another. You know, I think there's just not enough care right now. You know, I think people, um, you know, we've been in this quarantine or, you know, in these epidemics of racism and colonization and capitalism and COVID-19, you know, and one of the things I, I get um, concerned about is the lack of care. And by care, I think I mean the genuine concern for another human body, ourselves in relation to the mm. Um, And somebody I think, um, She's, I, you know, have, I sometimes will present a bias, and not always, but sometimes I do. Um, it's also, she's a Nipmuc, she's Black woman too, um, is Nia Holly. Is Nia who? Holly. Okay, all right. I will write their name down. If you could do um, an email introduction, that would be amazing. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. I just want to say, um, I was going to say a whole bunch, but like something that's screaming at me and I'm trying to listen to that voice because I know it's not me. I know it's my ancestors. Um, something that I picked up, you know, without trying to culturally appropriate yoga is the light in me sees the light in you. That shit makes me cry every single time I go to a yoga class. So I stopped going to yoga because- yeah, um, because I kept seeing all these white people. <laughs> I was like, bitch, I don't see your light. Uh, like, you know what I'm saying? I just see mine. Uh, so, uh, 
stop going to yoga. But I really enjoy the practice of yoga. I enjoy paying someone 40 bucks for the hour and a half. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take me 15 minutes to get there, 15 minutes back. I miss being in practice, in my own personal practice. I know I can do it at home, but the yoga studio that I have found um, was at Rooted in Albany, black owned company, black owned instructor, um, black instructors and like just just really fat friendly, like, you know what I'm saying? So it's just, I just wanted to say that being around folks who are yogis that are black is amazing. And just such a healing like modality for me that I'm just so glad that we had this conversation. And I do wanna let you know that the light in me definitely sees the light in you. And I appreciate you sharing your light this evening with us, with all of us, because this will definitely be a conversation I go back and replay and replay. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dee Thank you, everybody who's been bearing witness and here for this. And, and you know, mostly I, I just am I'm, I'm deeply, deeply, deeply grateful for the work that you do, for the space that you've created tonight. And, and just, you know, I love you. I love you too. Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you. I'm smiling so big right now. My ears are burning. And it's not, you know, thank you to Jamaica for blowing dry my hair. She did, burn, she did burn me on my ear, but it's not, it's not that. I'm genuinely happy right now. And I wasn't necessarily in that place. So thank you. Thank you for allowing me to reframe my own thoughts about myself and where I'm sitting right now. Um, so that way I can do a shift. So thank you. You did so much labor. You don't even realize. I appreciate it. I hope that y'all have a great evening. This has been another amazing episode of The Full Set. I hope that you have an amazing night and I will be following up with you via email. Absolutely same. All right. Peace, y'all.